Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a Wonder Tour. We connect leadership concepts to story contexts because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. This week, we're back with The Prestige Part 2. Last week, we discussed how integrity is a core foundational model for us. This week, we want to build on that by talking about how integrity can be the building block for a trick. Not only that, it can be the building block for your life. We are back. Episode 48 today. We're doing The Prestige again. Part 2 now. This is the deeper episode. Last episode, we talked about how cool the movie Prestige is. And we talked through the integrity piece, how integrity kind of gets contrasted with some of the sacrifices that both Angier and Borden were making. And it's getting to be a pretty high stakes game and how really ultimately that ends up being a slip and slide. So, but today we're going to start it off a little lighter. I'm here with Drew. We're going to talk about the, at first, just as kind of a, you know, fun thing the endings, our favorite endings. We're bringing in a new segment. <laughs> to Nolan movies. Well, because it's special, it's Nolan, right? Yeah, we, we wanted to bring some of this. We're not a movie review podcast at all here, but we do love Nolan, and so we wanted to bring in something different. So we wanted to start by ranking the endings, maybe talking a little bit about the prestigious ending. So first, Eric, let's talk about the prestigious ending. For me, I think this ending is really good because it wraps things up so nicely and it's so concise from the time it, it's like a, it's sl- moving at a faster and faster and faster pace towards that kind of end of the timeline, end of the movie timeline here where he's in jail, Borden's in jail and he's going to get hung and then he's going to go and shoot Angier and stuff like that. So you're, you're kind of moving faster and faster and faster and then it slows down and covers that in like five to ten minutes. It's not a really long ending of a movie, definitely not by Nolan's standards. So. I just love how concise it is and how it just wraps everything up really nicely. While this movie requires suspension of disbelief, the ending doesn't require a lot of like, well, but what about this? But what about that? It's like, it's very believable. It, I don't know. It just feels so tight knit to me. What do you think? I agree. It's almost as complete as Batman, for example, or Batman Begins. Batman Begins has really doesn't leave a whole lot for me at the end. He's done that kind of thing. At least for yeah. this round. Yeah, Batman Begins had like a very specific ending. And also because of the, I imagine, because of when Batman Begins was done and who Christopher Nolan was at that point, he wasn't given the creative liberty that he's, he gets given with every other project at this point with Batman Begins. The studio was probably specifically telling him, you need to wrap this up and do it this way because they didn't know that Batman Begins was going to be a huge hit. Lots of voices in that pot there. But when we get to the other two on our list, Interstellar and Inception, the rules are out the window. We're they? just ranking the ones that we've gone through so far in the first 48 episodes of Wonder Tour. We'll introduce more ending rankings as we introduce more Nolan films. So that's if you're wondering, that's why we're only including these four. As yeah, far as I, narratives, right? You know, yeah. narratives that we want to see wrapped up or whatever it may be to give yourself some peace. <laughs> well, I'd say Batman Begins kind of inherently is the worst one of almost any Nolan movie because it's not a really a suspense movie or at least not in the way that his other movies are. Would you, can we agree on that? It's number four. You mean the most anticlimactic? Yeah. Ending. It's not the best ending of a movie. It's like the it, most it's a, predictable. 
Yes. Let's say it's predictability versus unpredictability. How about that? Well, yeah, I'm not. I don't want to rank them on that spectrum, but I, I'm just ranking them on which one do you? This is a feel, a felt experience. Which one do you feel <laughs> is the best? Batman Begins felt good to me. They all look really good. We're ranking great movies, but I'm right. saying the ending of Batman Begins is maybe the the least fulfilling of all of them. I, I would agree with you, and I gotta say, Inception's probably the most wow factor out of all of them. Now, I I were I was jumping out of my seat had I I just saw Murph and I saw Cooper see Murph. Murph is an old older woman, and Cooper is still the same dude. And then he goes and gets in his spaceship and flies off. I was cheering. I love that, and the fact that he was gonna go to the new planet and all that. I, I did really love that. But Let's Inception, include the Tesseract in the ending of Interstellar. I think okay. the Tesseract can be yeah. can make it into that part. Pretty spectacular, but Inception made me doubt myself more than anything I've ever seen in my life. What did I just see here? And especially the last, I want to say, I mean, you can communicate a lot with 250 milliseconds of, of video footage, which is the wobble of the totem. And you don't get to see what happens after that little blip. And that I'm gonna messes, give you that. That yep. messes with your brain. I'm going to give you it, Derek. Are we... Are we are we I know we're kind of like filling in the rankings in a weird way, but are we putting Inception at number one? Because I think I I could see a a case for any of these three movies. I think Christopher Nolan has probably for me, at least the top five endings, at least of all time, all to himself because of how he does his films. But I agree with you for Inception. It's the wobble of it of the top. And it's also the when he's walking through the airport. It's when he when they wake up in the airplane and you're wondering. I mean, it's it's the score. The score of Interstellar is better than Inception, but the the score in that moment at the end when he's walking through the airport and you get the yeah, and then you're and then they they're like they give him like the green check mark and they're like go ahead through customs and he's like oh my gosh you're like he made it and then it's like well, yeah. what if he didn't? <laughs> yep. You start to doubt everything, right? Because everything is lining up so well. All right. Well, that was fun. I like. Well, what that. are we putting at two and three? Because we need the rankings for the next time. Because next time we're just going to be putting the next film like into these rankings we already have. So we have Inception one. We have Batman Begins four. Is Interstellar second or is the Prestige second? Because I, I think I, Interstellar's second because really you've got the flash of the dead clone in the tank at the end of Prestige. He does kind of button it up as much as you want to be fooled. You really they kind of reveal it there at the end, right? You aren't fooled. If you watch the last frames of the movie, the guy yeah. is clearly looking through the tank and he's like, but the foul oh, crap, That's what I I'm... fell through the trap door. Yeah, I don't know. I, I the first time I watched this movie, I knew there was something going on and maybe that he had a twin or something like that. But I didn't never knew it was Fallon. And so when they revealed that it was Fallon, I was like, I'm, I can't believe it. It was in front of me the entire time. And I didn't see it. So I that's why I would have okay. prestige second, because okay, while okay. it's believable yeah. when it when the. When the veil is pulled back and the the actual prestige is done in the movie, it's so incredible, at least for me. I know some people I've heard have totally seen this coming and they were like, of course, I can see that Bale is Fallon. But I just <laughs> didn't. And I, you know why I didn't? Because of the misdirection every which way. I mean, it's a masterpiece of a film for that specific reason. Because of how good Nolan is at pulling all the threads through and covering your eyes, just you know, showing things on screen, but then misdirecting you to another part of the narrative or another part of the screen. And he so you don't even see it. Such a good engineer. That's what we're saying here. <laughs> yes, yes. Nolan is the perfect engineer. Well, let's, so, let's roll yeah, right Number in. two is Prestige. Yep. Number okay. three, Interstellar. <laughs> and Batman Begins at number four. <gasps> All right. 
All right, that was a there good you start. Go. I love talking Absolutely. about the ending. Absolutely. It's fun. It's fun to talk through these things. So I, I let on at the beginning that we're going to talk about how we're kind of going to near the end of this integrity series. And in doing so, I think it's time to start to put a model to integrity um, and kind of see how it integrates with all the other stuff that we've been talking about. So for me, based on what we talked about in part one, I think integrity starts out as the build. Let's think about it as a building block for a trick, right? Because like early on in this movie, we're introduced to the idea that by a number of different magicians, in order to be able to pull off the trick at the end and get that prestige moment at the top, essentially, everything has to be sound at the bottom. You have to hold it all together at the bottom, even if it's like fake, even if it's not magic, is not quote like real, real? You still have to hold it all together vertically almost. So like if you don't have a good foundation set at the bottom, you're not going to be able to get the prestige at the top. It's a framework. It's a framework that you have to build first. You can't build anything really in this world without some kind of framework and a foundation. And I agree with you. You've got to have that first. You've got to look at the vertical. How high do I want to take this? And tell me more about what you're thinking, though, in terms of this vertical piece. Yeah, well, I I think we're talking about building a trick here, but we could be talking about building a project. We could be talking about building a resume. We could be talking about building any number of things in life, right? You could be talking about, you know, building your financial future. When I say a trick, I mean a one-off or I mean like a, a one we're aiming for one goal. That's almost what I'm thinking about. What in about a like vision? Business and personal. Yeah, vision, yeah, a vision, like a vision. It's not like a it's not like a holistic vision, though. I'm, I'm just thinking about in terms of like you have your vision for for this, like this goal that you want to accomplish. Right. And so how you're going to you're looking up at that goal and you're wondering, how am I going to get there? And what while a lot of people will just kind of stumble along the path, what we are saying here is that it, you don't stumble into being able to pull the transported man trick like you have to slowly build to it over time on a firm foundation that you're being very careful that you're always sealing the cracks or making sure that the cracks never you know, erupt in the first place. You can't move too fast in that case. And you mentioned the organic growth rate in the last episode, and I think that does play in here because if you grow something too fast, it will develop cracks and it will, you will not, if you outstrip integrity, you will be sorry because you will not be able to keep the consistency fast enough. We just, we're, we're, we're humans. We, we can't, we're not supercomputers, more like more in the new kind of case where we actually have a computer that can outstrip the human brain's performance, right? So we're just not we're not able to kind of keep up with all that. So I agree with you. It's something that has to be grown vertically at a at a pretty decent least I wanna say slow, but you know, a steady it rate. Seems let's slow. Say steady. Yeah. Let's let's go with the word steady. That way we kind of just say that there's not a lot of variation between the periods of time. So if you had 10 periods of time, roughly your effort is roughly the same over those 10 periods of time. Whereas someone who's trying to grow too fast, maybe you get to period three and you're like, tons of effort, it's all these changes, and it kind of spins out of control. Something happens. So well, let's think about this in terms of yeah. career aspirations, because I want to try to put some sort of a model yeah. to it. So if if your career aspirations are to become a vice president, we'll say, we'll just put like a very generic leadership <laughs> role on there you there are times where you might have shortcuts offered to you 
And every once in a while, those shortcuts are real. But for the most part, if you want to be a magnanimous leader in a leadership position at a company or, you know, your own comp- build your own company, whatever it might be, like we all have to build that on a foundational model of integrity. It's like at the bottom is a model of integrity. On top of that, we build our career. If you don't build your career on top of the model of integrity, like the whole thing can come crashing down because like you said, you go, you're on your third or fourth leg, maybe your third or fourth role as you're, as you're kind of maneuvering around, moving sideways and up through the organization um, or across companies, whatever it might be. And there are times you can move a little bit faster, but for the most part, right, there is a max, there's a cap at the growth rate that you can move at. And it's literally, it's capped by your integrity model at the bottom. That one of the things capping it is your integrity model, essentially, because you're saying, if I'm going to be a magnanimous leader, when I get to that top of the tower or that vision, I don't want to make any sacrifices that, you know, I don't want to make any sacrifices in terms of my integrity along the way. Well, totally how you are executing your life. If you value your family very highly, you will lean away from something that is going to take all your time up it, to create a spike in one area of your life. You're like, that's not worth it. That's not worth it. That's just one spike out of my whole life. I want to raise the water level in my entire life. I think about when you go for a big job like that, you could be making a projection of your pedigree. This is the school I went to. These are the experiences I've had. Integrity plays into that too, because if you kind of pump up some of these things that you've done too far in order to get that job, you may have just landed yourself right smack dab in a slip and slide. You have outstripped the growth rate, and now the consequence of doing that plays out. And it's it can be okay. And I think this is where some people are like, fake it till you make it. I don't want to disparage like that you shouldn't challenge yourself. But what we're saying here is there is a growth rate limitation. You can challenge yourself up to the limit and you got to find the limit for yourself. We don't know what that is. We don't even know what the units of that limit are. <laughs> so it's kind of very abstract. However, you know it when you get there, I think is about the best way I can say it. If you're kind of doubting what you're doing 50% of your day and you don't know whether that's the right choice, a leader is very much in tune with what is right. And that is driven by integrity, is it not? It is. And I think what you just what you've started to get at here is really what I wanted to get into next is the second point, which is integrity is also horizontally integrated. So it's not just vertically integrated with the vision, it's horizontally integrated because to achieve the vision, you're really building. Well, number one, you have multiple visions and hopefully they're aligned, like you said, between your family, you know, your personal life, your your work life, all these different aspirations that you might have. You want that vision to be aligned and then you have to have horizontal integration, meaning you you can't have integrity in one area, but not in another. And that's what we see with Borden. Right. Because Borden has integrity in one area. He's very good at holding up the trick. Very good at holding up the trick. Right. To the point that Sarah never knows. Sarah dies never knowing that Borden (laughs) that that, that's what he was doing. I mean, he he holds it up so well, but yet he doesn't have the integrity that he needs to take care of Sarah and Jess because he's so laser focused on that one vertical that he's climbing and he's climbing it. He's he's so this is perfect, right? Because he's using integrity to climb it. That one vertical he's, he's adhering to the organic growth rate. He's not trying to pull out his transported mantric too early. And yet it's true. He's not horizontally integrated. I think I'm going to jump out of the story just for a second and go to 
360 assessments. <laughs> so these are ones where people get, and this is not even your whole life, right? But sometimes, you know, at your company, you'll be asked to do a 360 assessment as you move up the leadership ladder or management managerial ladder. I think it's more on manager side, in my opinion, but whatever. Some people look at those the same. I don't particularly. You are forced to look all the way around you horizontally. A lot of times that involves somebody who's upstream from you, your boss, somebody who's downstream from you, your subordinate, and then left and right, your peers. That is more of an orthogonal model, right? We really are talking right angles there. But what you're talking about here is very much a sweep like the radar that you see on a movie that has airplanes, whatever it may be. <laughs> but you're doing a sweep all the way around. I'll, I'll make it easy by saying it's your work life and your personal life. These two need to be integrated. They need to be intact. And this is what you're talking about with the horizontal, I think, right? Yes. Yes. I, I like what you said. You could think of it like radar sweeps. You could think of it like x-rays, right? You're, you're, you're just trying to get these different dimensions that you don't, you're not just going to get at the surface level, right? Of integrity. You have to have an interconnectedness of your models. And that's where I want to start to draw this picture. And it's hard because we don't have a, a visual format here. But the way I think of core models is like you have concentric circles. And at the center circle, right, your bullseye is where your core models sit. And these core models are integrated with every secondary model outside of it, right? So then you have this secondary layer of models that form primarily your mindset. And those mindset models then form, you know, at, at least in my current workings of this model, you have a tertiary set of models that form more of your working models, your decision-making models, those type of things, right? And so the thing is, your integrity model is connected to every secondary model, your worldview, your mindset, all of the things that you subscribe to feedback to this integrity model. And so if there's not integration across your home, your work, your, you know, all of these things, which is very hard to have. So don't don't hear Derek and I saying we have this perfect integration between these things. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. that's just what I hum to myself on a daily basis because I'm so good. <laughs> but when Just you connect kidding. them together, Derek, I mean, is this model making sense to you where I'm talking about kind of we have these core models and around them, these secondary models, and they're all feeding back to your your model for integrity? I, I want to just simplify just uh, slightly. I like how you have these different tiers. It's almost like stadium seating uh, or something where it's kind of like gets bigger and bigger as it goes. But um, I think it's that what you're saying is, is that the things on the outside probably change the most and the things on the inside shouldn't change that often right so the closer you get to the core the center of who you are you really to be consistent with yourself five minutes ago with yourself 10 minutes ago which again angier if you're angier well that's the sticky question who am i <laughs> uh so we're not all asking that question thank goodness you want to be consistent with yourself two hours ago three hours ago whatever to a, to a point, you want to make that outer layer meaningful for the inner layer. So influencing that, those very infrequent changes, the slow change, the slow growth over time has to be fed inward. And then ultimately, when that changes, it really kind of comes back around and feeds back outward again. Yep. There's integration from inside out and outside in, right? Yeah. With these models, primarily your outer models, when you're going to make a change to your outer models, 
your decision-making models, your mindsets, you should consult your core models, right? Like integrity. And you should see, is this consistent with my core models that I make this change? But like you said, there are times where you do need to make slight adjustments. Or sometimes if you're in a, in a tough spot, I've been in tough spots where I've had to make big adjustments to my core models. That's scary because you're like really changing the foundation of everything. But yeah. sometimes that's the only way to achieve transformation. It doesn't happen in those secondary and tertiary levels of your mind. It happens in, in your core or your heart, basically. That's where it happens has to change. So it's a it is interesting to try to think about this. And I think this is a model that we'll continue to develop out as we go here. We totally will. Yeah, I want to say this, that if you're somebody who doesn't think about this stuff very much, a lot of these models, as Drew's using this word, it really is symbolic. You don't have words for it. If you want to grow as a magnanimous leader, you need to attach words to these things to these ways of thinking. You have to. It's the only way to build a base. You cannot, and I think the main reason is, is that when we talk to each other, we use words. When we talk to each other, we don't just speak symbolically. If you had like, I don't know, uh, ESP or something, I'm sure you could kind of do that. You could just have like a thought field and 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 somehow someone would be like, oh, Emotions kind of work like that, right? You see somebody's face and you're like, ooh, that was not good. But you don't have the ability to kind of grab an idea from somebody else until you put some words to it. So I think it's really important to put some words to things. And that's why, Drew, I believe that you talk so much about having a model. Model meaning this collection of words mean these emotions mean this context, mean a lot of different things coinciding together. And I think we're getting better at doing that on Wonder Tour. We're going to get even better at it, though. Be patient with us, though. There is an organic growth rate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can only grow so fast. Yeah. But these working models are critical. You know, again, I've only learned this from others who really put a focus on these working models because it allows you to hold something in your hand more that is a little bit intangible, right? You can almost like look at it. You can imagine it a lot better. You can write it on paper or whiteboard. You can put it into a slide, right? You can start to explain these things a little bit more clearly. And so this has been great, really picking up what this model looks like. I just want to maybe do one final reveal here. I don't think that the greatest lesson of integrity of the prestige is the life of Borden or Angier at all. I think it's the movie itself. (laughs) I think just like Nolan's greatest prestige, it isn't the trick. It's the three acts of the movie. It's the fact that he is running. He tells you right at the beginning through Cutter's character what he's going to do for you. (laughs) He literally gives you the pledge, the turn and the prestige. And then he does it to you. The entire movie is the magic trick that he's he's pulling over on you. And the magical part of it is that it's also layered horizontally and vertically like we just talked about. It's so integrated that even though it's a fantastical premise and it's crazy, it almost seems grounded, which is honestly unbelievable. Right. How is it? How does it feel grounded? I mean, he does it with the setting. He does it with the with the costumes. He does it with the the way that the characters talk and everything else that in this Victorian era world that it seems so grounded. But I'm telling you what a lesser director, any other director, I would say, would not have been able to pull this off. It's not a perfect movie. He did the absolute best that anybody could have done with the source material. I agree 100%. And the main thing that I want to do now, though, is shift towards let's take that forward into leadership. The lessons that we can learn from the story 
right, is that we've got to be able to cast a vision for our lives. And these visions have to be consistent. And then what we're doing in the operational, the tactical, the strategic, these things have to be consistent as well in a vertical way. And then you're telling me that horizontally they have to be consistent. You have to know ultimately, I mean, I guess is the sum total of all your visions? Is that your is that your purpose? Your purpose kind of Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I have an immediate answer to that. I have to chew on that one. Is your purpose your sum total of your visions? Um, I think partially. A good an- good answer is there's a, some overlap, but it's not hundred percent. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm feeling too. Answer. Is like because you can't quite purposes. It, it's it tends to be a transcendent thing, like almost to the fact that you know because you're human, because you have an organic growth rate, and you know that you can't quite accomplish full purpose. Purpose is yeah, it kind of outstrips, doesn't it? By nature, it's it kind of outstripping. Yeah, but it's fascinating. And so you, there is an alignment though that I think is interesting. There, it's not exactly horizontal. It starts with purpose, not, though, right? That's purpose. That Nolan's purpose in this film is to wow the audience, just like Angier and Borden wanted to do, right? He wants you to have the goosebumps at the end and that that just like weird feeling rush over you where you're like, oh, my gosh, he pulled one over on me and I, and I loved it. Like every bit of it. I, I don't want to go back and question could, you know, well, is it really real? Could you use could Tesla really use electricity to clone somebody? You don't even want to question it because you're just like. The story was so good and compelling. The important part was that it led me to talk about themes of integrity and suffering. And it gave me these concrete examples to to work through in my life. And, you know, I can see myself in Borden. I can see myself in Angier. I can see myself in Cutter. And afterwards, I'm just left with, you know, you just can't stop thinking about the movie after you stop watching it. That's the hallmark of a Nolan movie, right? Is that you can't stop thinking about it after you watched it and thinking, like you said, when you watched Inception, this is kind of going to change me. <laughs> it's going to kind of change me and change me in, in a good way because you can reflect on both examples. At the extremes, Angier had everything. He started out with everything and he valued nothing. That's one extreme. And his integrity, he spent it. He spent his integrity at will, whatever he want to spend it on. Then you have Borden, who is keeping up projections. He's faking people out. That's not a life that you want to live as a leader. We can learn from both of these extremes in terms of integrity. And the fact that he didn't even tell his own wife that he had a twin. Who I was, want to pull this out. I would. I know we're wrapping up yeah. here, but I do want to get. I did want to get a moment in here to to wrap this into the the making of the movie and the design. More than that, the design. Because the design is so genius. Nolan layers purpose at the bottom. And on top of it, he layers themes, right? The themes that are coming through, like we've talked about, of suffering and integrity and things like that, right? And on top of those, he's he's laying characters and he's laying story arcs. And he's laying on top of that, he's laying he's laying costumes and scenery and he's laying the the different angles the the cinematography that he's using he's laying the editing and all of these things are done in such a cohesive way and again some of you might not agree that this movie is fully as flawless as i think it is in most ways so just like to suspend your disbelief here for a second that really what he does is he has top to bottom left to right integrity here and let's just let's do one example and how it impacts you the example of suffering right he layers this theme of suffering he introduces it to us at the beginning when the little kid asked where did the bird go right so he sees it he's like wow okay it was visceral there's some suffering there and then 
you see it over and over again, right? Like the magicians have a little bit of regret for what they're doing. But eventually those themes of suffering, right? Julia suffers as she's drowning. We talk about how, you know, Cutter comes in and talks about how, well, I've heard from my friend that, you know, it's like feeling nothing or whatever. It's like seeing a warm white light <laughs> when he's drowning. He's lying about suffering. The whole, I think suffering is probably one of the main themes of this movie. And it comes across it through the tanks and it comes across it through each little piece of it right through the fingers when he gets shot in the fingers. And then at the end, you see him lopping his fingers off with the with the carpentry tool. <laughs> it's like the theme of suffering is layered so thoroughly through it that when you are introduced to the clone drowning in the tank and you're like wow that's what's actually happening here it's it's so cohesive and so flawless you can't pick apart the layers at first but it's convincing you don't question it you're like he's in the tank like the yeah wow he was actually pulling this off with the cloning machine he's actually the, the machine worked and he's in the tank and i think that to tell you that nolan designed it this way is an understatement so here's one small story he had Tesla's role is the one role that a lot of people criticize, not because, you know, David Bowie plays him and it's great, but they criticize it because he's so out there and like, you know, the whole movie's grounded and then it becomes magical with Tesla. Well, uh, actually, Nolan asked Bowie to play this role and Bowie said no. <laughs> and he, he insisted on telling him no. And then Nolan flew him out and said, I have to propose this to you. You're the only person I could ever imagine playing this role because it's such a pivotal role and I need it to be believable. And you're going to be believable and you're almost going to be the third member of the magic act you're also because it's bowie it's going to be distracting and so people aren't going to notice the little sleight of hand he's pulling with the cloning and stuff as much so it's just so brilliant the way he layers it together derek and in business i you know you are really really good at this <laughs> in seeing all of the threads in laying the vision and the strategy and then intertwining the tactics and just making these small little moves to prove consistency and you don't have to be consistent for anybody else but you're consistent for yourself and over time and when i say you don't have to be consistent for anybody else i mean they don't have to see it at the time because you know there will be a prestige moment in the end when it gets all revealed and they're like oh wow that's what was going on <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I mean, that means a lot to me. And you're right there. That that really is. I mean, everything that you do as a leader, as a magnanimous leader, I love all the things you said there. Everything you do as a magnanimous leader, you want to make sure it's consistent whether somebody sees it or not. There will be a time where, you know what, your cloak, it just slipped a little bit and they see behind there and they say, is that consistent? And the answer, I hope for you, I always hope for myself, I hope for you too, Drew, is yes, that it is consistent. And truly that is because when that moment happens, and let's say that someone, it's not the suspension of disbelief in that case, but what it is in real life and leadership is trust. You get that trust back. And that really gets us into political capital, right? It gets us into social capital, you know, these different things where we have the currency to do bigger and bigger things at the proper organic growth rate, we can continue to capitalize on our leadership. And if you look at people out in the real world who are leaders and they've let that one thing slip up, I was talking about somebody the other day. I'm not going to say who it is or anything like that. It was somebody who was out in the, the world and they had messed up publicly. And I actually felt it important to say, well, I know that they've messed up, but they did say these really cool things here. And that's what you have to do when... But someone has to do about you when they see 
you not be consistent, not be, if it was big enough. If it's not, then a lot of times people let that go too, right? You don't, you kind of beat yourself up for that maybe. But getting back to the point is this this, this thing with integrity, you, you want to put as much into it as you possibly can because you don't know when it's going to pay out. And so you've got to put the energy in up front. And if you put the energy in up front, enough energy to keep it all consistent, it's going to pay off in spades at the end mm-hmm. when someone sees the layers of effort that you put into the execution as a leader. When you get the kaboom, right? It's When like, you get the kaboom. Yes, kaboom I was going is back a build to kaboom. Up. Yes, it's so funny. Yes. This is the essence of the, the better kaboom that you had mentioned in episode 14. So if, if you're listening for the first time and you haven't heard that episode, go back to that. That's a more detailed view on and it's so funny because we were talking about consistency, but we weren't. We never once used the word integrity in that episode. We just talked about consistency and being believable and not projecting more than what you actually were. And how if you do that too quickly, that you spend it, you spend goodwill, really, is what we were talking about back then. That is exactly what I'm talking about here is that when people see the consistency, you not only get goodwill, but you get trust layered on top of that. And that is something that gives you more ability to do more good things in the world. You want that. You want to do that as a leader. It's the only way to achieve the kaboom. It's the prestige, right? It's the only way to achieve the prestige. In the yeah. real world, yeah, you don't. Your stage is not. You know, you don't get to talk to your sponsor and just have this this hundred hundred nights of events, right? It's it's varied. It's all over the place, right? You have opportunities here and there. Sometimes they come up, and sometimes you know randomly, and sometimes they get pulled away from you. But so the only way to be prepared for to be able to have those prestige moments where you can really transform yourself and others is to have integrity at the bottom. It has to be the founding piece. My final thing here is I want to make sure that as leaders, we understand the signs of pursuing the wrong prestige. If you think back to the movie, this is what I want to close on personally for me. I'll let you have the last word after this. But if you're pursuing the wrong prestige, you will be making significant structural changes to your personal life. If that is in if that prestige is in your work life and vice versa. You will be making significant structural changes, which will ultimately come with consequences and drive inconsistency. Great example, really wants to have a great prestige. He goes and gets this like fake, you know, person that looks like him. He has to then dance around this guy and can't let the cat out of the bag. You can't go here. No, no, no. You can't go there. You, you, you're all of a sudden restricted. You, that's the thing is the opposite of integrity is like really constriction because you, you have by essence having compartments in your life. You then have a smaller operating ability within those compartments. You can't connect them anymore. And when you can't connect these worlds anymore, you start to spend way more energy managing it all because you're not the same person in this compartment. You are this person in this compartment. You don't do this over here in this compartment of your life. You do this over in this compartment of your life. And if you're trying to do something big, good luck. Because as as someone who's a human and you have limits, you have to sleep, you have to eat, you have all these things, and you're going to add that on top? Think about that as a leader. Do you really think you can keep that up? Do you really think you can keep up the illusion? That is what I would take away from this is that be careful when you have compartments in your life. You want to drive towards completeness and wholeness. You can't have these separate rooms to your life and who you are as a leader. It's going to fall apart eventually. It's only a matter of time. Integrity. Yeah, integrity really opens the world up. 
doesn't restrict you. It seems in the moment when you're making a decision, it seems like maybe taking the integrity route will be the thing that restricts your path. But really, it opens up your path. And that's one consistency we've had across all the themes that we talk about in the Wonder Tour, all the, the magnanimous character traits is we're all about opening up the world, not making it smaller. Good stuff today. If you had any additional thoughts on integrity, especially as it relates to the movie, The Prestige, hit us up on Twitter on The Wonder Tour. Next time, we're going to be talking about parks and recreation. Going on a little lighter here. We have been hitting it pretty heavy on this one. I, I think you would agree, Drew. And so now we're going to go back to something that we can laugh at, something that we can still learn deep lessons from. And I think that's the key to the Wonder Tour is that no matter what story we look at, no matter what lens we use, we're going to learn something from these stories. And we're learning them right along with you. So just keep that in mind. All right, I'm going to close this out here. Remember, not all who wonder are lost. We'll see you next time.